All right, welcome back to From Made Arbitration. Uh, I wasn't going to do an episode today, but I've had a couple of things come in that have burned my ass up, and I'm going to do a quick one today, cover just a couple of topics uh, on some things um, that have chapped my ass. And so uh, there's some B-team decisions that have come out, straight garbage. Um, Also, I'm going to cover a letter of warning that's probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. But like I said, I was going to take this weekend off and enjoy my my uh, holiday. But uh, when I saw these things come in, man, it pissed me off. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, carrier safety has to be paramount at every step of the grievance procedure. Now, for us, management doesn't care about our safety whatsoever. They could care less about our safety. It doesn't matter to them. To us, safety has to be paramount at every step. Okay? It's the most important thing. There's nothing more important than the carrier's safety. Nothing. Uh, if we're working in an unsafe environment, we have to do something about that. And that's file a grievance. If you're not working on the workroom floor, don't forget about us on the workroom floor that are working in unsafe environments, okay? I'm going to give you some examples today. Um, I was sent a a B-team decision based off of this HIP training, the HERO training. Uh, We filed a grievance. It went through this B-team decision, and the B-team decision was straight garbage, straight garbage. And And if you know the region it's from, I'm not going to tell the region it's from, But if you know the region that it's from, I would rally in that region to get my business agent defeated in the next election. Because there's no way the business agent didn't have his hand in this, uh, didn't have his hand in this decision. I would vote him out based off of this decision. I would vote him out. He, He has no business representing city letter carriers with this decision. And if he didn't know that this decision was coming out, He's irresponsible because he needs to educate his B-team people and his Formal A people about this hero training. And I'm going to read you the decision and tell you how much and show you how much bullshit it is. Uh, it's straight up garbage. Okay. First off, because you remember I was talking about playing chess and checkers. This region is playing checkers. This B-team decision is playing checkers. It is straight up doo-doo. Uh, advocates should be directly involved with the B team. I know my B team calls me regularly because I'm an advocate and they say, Hey, can you sell this? Can we win this? Can you do? And, and I'll say, yes, I can sell that. Yes, we can win that. I think that that should be something that happens. You know, arbitration advocates should have quarterly meetings with B teams, monthly meetings with B teams and say, Hey, look, if you're not getting information, if we're not getting this, don't settle these things. Those are killers in arbitration. We've got to, to, the B team needs to understand where we are as far as advocates and what we can do, the power we have in arbitration. Uh, Business agents should be making sure that happens uh, because this decision is straight up shit. And I'm going to read some some arbitration sites to you. Because if I always talk about I'm not an expert at anything, I am an expert at arbitration. 
I'll put myself up against anybody in arbitration. I'm an expert in arbitration and how to sell things and how to tell y'all how to win things in arbitration, how to tell you what to put in case files to win things for arbitration because I'm an arbitration expert. And so when I tell you these things about what to put in these hero trainings, it's because I know that if I take those to arbitration, more times than not, we will win in arbitration. We can sell that in arbitration. I would much rather have an arbitrator tell me to cease and desist than a B team to tell me to cease and desist. I'm going to, if I take this to arbitration, I'm going to win it. 100% of these cases that get sent to arbitration, we will win. 100% of them. Now, what we win, I don't know. Some will be able to get the money. Some arbitrators will see it for what it is. It's an intentional falsification, intent, intentionally trying to put my carrier in harm's way. You've got advocates that will very easily sell that. Even if the worst advocate goes in there, he's going to get a cease and desist. Every arbitrator will give me a cease and desist on that. So why would we settle that for anything less I would not settle that at informal, formal B team for a cease and desist. I just wouldn't do it. If I'm a business agent, I'm telling my informal, formal B team, don't settle those for a cease and desist. Send that to me. Send them to me. And let us take a shot at it in arbitration. Because we're going to win a cease and desist in arbitration. I'd much rather have an arbitrator say that than a B team or a formal A or an informal. That's the reason we put this money on there. But this decision... It's straight shit. Now, I'm going to read something to you that somebody sent me. And this is somebody that played chess because management is running from these grievances. They're running from them, even so much so that they're not even putting contentions in files. They're wanting to be done with it. They're wanting it out of their way. Uh, and so they're running from these grievances. We do not need to bail them out like I'm fixing to show you. But here's what somebody sent me the other day. It says, hey, brother, just wanted to inform you that thanks to your advice, our office settled at the informal for the hero training, $1,200 per carry to be paid out in 30 days, a cease and desist, and a written apology. We're in a small town in this state, four regulars and three-hour ox. Thanks for the podcast. Keep fighting the good fight, and we will too, brother. So here's somebody that took this to their station manager and said, look, this is what we want. And this is why, because we caught you falsifying documentation. We caught you falsifying hero training uh, and sold that to this, this OIC, the station manager, and said that they got $1,200 per carrier. Now, here's carriers that had no idea they were even supposed to be taking this training. They had no idea that this training was falsified. They're just going about their everyday lives and bingo, here's $1,200 for you. What about that? Here's $1,200 for you. Why? Because we're playing chess and not checkers. That's why. Because we found an astronomical amount of falsification across this country of hero training. This isn't an Article 8 violation, like I said. This isn't an opting violation. I don't need a history of those things here. This is intentional falsification of heat training. And so this individual filed the grievance. He said, hey, I took your advice and filed the grievance. All of my carriers, $1,200 richer today because of that advice. Let me show you this B-team decision, which is straight up bullshit. 
and a business agent should lose their job for this decision alone. And it's going to piss you off, I'm telling you. I'm telling you just by the bullshit of it. Here it is. Issue. Did management at this installation station violate Articles 3, 5, 14, and 19 of the National Agreement, including Section 115 of the 115.4 of the M39 Handbook, Section 665.16, 811.24, and 817.51 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual, when they certified that each city letter carrier had completed the FY23 heat stress recognition and prevention online class? If so, what should the appropriate remedy be? Decision. Listen to this shit. The dispute resolution team has reached a resolve in the instant case. Based on the evidence in the case file, remember that. Remember that. Based on the evidence in the case file, the TRT agrees management violated Article 14 when they did not complete all tasks required to verify heat illness prevention program uh, HIP certification for this installation before marking the training as completed. Now let me read that again to you. This had to have been the B team from management that wrote this up because they didn't even say they falsified it. Listen to this bullshit how they wrote this up. The DRT agrees management violated Article 14 when they did not complete all tasks required. No shit, because they falsified it. They didn't complete it. <laughs> they didn't complete all tasks required. Yeah, because they falsified it. They watered that down so much, they didn't even put in there that they falsified it. Our B team person put up no defense whatsoever. Zero defense whatsoever. Our B team person must have said, hey, write that up. I'm going to go out to lunch. I'll sign it when I get back. How does a business agent not get involved immediately with that decision? I'm going to read that again. The DRT agrees management violated Article 14 when they did not complete all tasks required to verify heat illness prevention program HIP certification for this installation before marking the training as completed. They make it sound like it's just an, a, an honest error. This falsification, this intentional falsification, oh, it's just a, we didn't complete it. Let me tell you what's going to, that's not what's going to piss you off. Listen to this shit. This is what's going to piss you off. It says management will conduct the HIP training, safety talk, such and such, with all cares in this installation within 14 days of receipt of this decision. Any cares not at work in this time period will be given the safety talk immediately upon their return to work. This safety talk serves as the HIP certification for the facility. Management will verify the following tasks have been completed. The HIP is posted in a facility in a conspicuous location. Ooh. The heat illness poster is posted in a facility in a conspicuous location. Nice. The HIP safety talk has been given to all employees. Four, employees have been provided with heat illness prevention badge cards. Nice, I get me a card. Five, heat illness prevention stickers have been placed in all owned and leased postal service vehicles. Management should not certify the safety talk unless and until each of the five tasks identified above have been completed. So we're, we're going to help them along. We're going to take them by the hand and we're going to show them how to do it. Okay, because you falsified it. Hey. We'll take care of you here. 
take my hand. We're going to walk you through this, okay? I know you I know you falsified it. I know Karis could have died from it, but let's take you by the hand. Come here. Uh, let's walk you through this together. That's how much bullshit this is from our B team. Explanation. Listen to this shit. God. Explanation. The Postal Service implemented HIP to protect employees from heat-related illnesses and to educate them on how to stay safe during hot weather. What in the fuck are we doing? Like us, this isn't an Article 8 violation. This isn't an opting violation. This isn't a scheduling violation. Listen to this now. This is how stupid we are here. The seriousness of this, the Postal Service implemented HIP to protect employees from heat-related illnesses and to educate them on how to stay safe during hot weather. They implemented this to what? To protect employees. And we've got somebody falsifying that. Something that y'all implemented to protect us and you falsified it. Certification of HIP training for all employees is required to be completed annually to ensure effectiveness and compliance. Full compliance with HIP requires posting and distribution of safety materials and conducting a stand-up with all employees. So to save time so that we could get out of the office in an hour, okay, so to save that time, you got to get them out in an hour. Got to get them an hour. What about this safety training? Fuck that safety training. Get them out in an hour. But I got to get this safety Falsify the damn safety training and get those son of bitches out of the office. Just falsify it. Why? Because the union don't give a shit. You'll get some mealy mouth bullshit decision from the B team. Just falsify the fucking training. But what if we get caught? Get caught what? Who gives a shit? The union don't have the guts to do anything about it. We got half the business agents in the country don't give a shit about the city letter carry anyway. Just falsify the fucking training. They'll get some B team decision that'll tell you to do it and fucking do it then, but get the carry out in an hour. Here's the union's contentions now. The union contends management did not conduct the required training and falsified the training records to say it had been completed. So we tell you there, you falsified the fucking training. We got you falsifying it. That's what the formal A says. He's already in their ass. You falsified it. Interviews conducted with carriers in the facility confirmed that they did not receive HIP training for 2023. Some carriers stated they were not at work on the day their, their training records say they completed HIP training. How can you not take that in front of an arbitrator? Good God, you're saying here that it was implemented to protect employees, and you got people who weren't even work at work, and you're saying that they completed the training. The violation in this case is are willful as there are many steps to making training as completed and can only be done deliberately. That's money. That's money in arbitration. This Formula A is killing it right here. Hey, what you did was willful. It was deliberate because all these steps you have to go through to show that you did it. It's willful what you did. Management has a responsibility to ensure safe working conditions, and this includes a responsibility to ensure safety training is conducted when required. There are new employees at this station, 
that need to be aware of HIP. The Postal Service has a poor history of responding to heat-related illness. This formula killed it right there. I would love to have him sit in a chair in front of an arbitrator and tell his story right there. That's gold in arbitration. This is somebody for, for us who is playing chess. Put it all out there. It's gold in arbitration. Here's what's going to piss you off right here. This is what's going to piss you off. Management met at the formal A, but did not supply any contentions to the case file. <laughs> oh, shit. What in the fuck are we doing? What in the fuck are we doing? I'm going to read that again. Management met at the formal step A, but did not supply any contentions to the case file. What in the complete shit are we doing? How in the fuck can you settle that when management offers no rebuttal? They offer no response. They throw themselves on the mercy of the court, and we bailed them out. That business agent should lose his job this next election. Y'all need to rally and take his job from him. He needs to be back carrying mail. Because he's over the B team. He's responsible for the B team. You have management providing no contention, no rebuttal. How do you, If I'm a business agent and I say, if any case comes up and management has no contentions, if I don't get every single thing that I ask for, send it to arbitration. If you ever, as a B team member, if you ever, I'm saying this, Corey Walton's saying this, as a B team member, if you ever have a grievance come up to you where the union has made contentions and management has failed to meet, management has met but failed to put any documentation into the case file, failed to put any contentions into the case file, do not settle that unless we get everything that we ask for. Do not settle that unless we get everything that we ask for. I'm going to have to do business agent training. That's what I'm going to have. You got about half the business agents that are kicking ass right now, and you got another half that got their thumb up their asses so far. Anyway, I, I need to do training to them. I, I, that's what I might do. I might just say I'm going to meet somewhere. I'm going to have to just drop names and say these are the six business agents that need training because y'all are failures. It, it is pathetic. What is going on in some of these regions? It's absolutely pathetic what's going on in some of the. You are stealing money in some of these regions. You're, you, if you're a business agent in some of these regions that I see, you're stealing money. That's grand larceny. You're stealing our money, our dues, because you're not doing anything. Your RAAs are stealing money because they're not doing anything. All of y'all should either go back to carrying mail or you should go into management where you're better equipped to do nothing. Because that's what this decision is. This is a management decision. Management met at the formal A, but did not supply any contentions to the case file. Goes on. After a, fur, after a thorough review of the case file, you should have said after a thorough review of the union's contentions. After a thorough review of the union's contentions, is what you should have said, 
the DRT has determined management violated Article 14 when they did not complete all tasks required to verify HIP certification for this post office before making the training as completed. The case file indicates this postmaster utilized Hero Express class certification to mark that training was completed without fully complying with the training requirements. Then it goes on to state the other the things. Uh, Article 14, the ELM. And it goes on, based on the evidence in the case file, the DRT agrees management violated Article 14 when they did not complete all tasks required to verify HIP certification for this station before marking the training as completed. You couldn't even you couldn't even say they falsified it. That's how cowardly and chicken shit that was. You couldn't even say they falsified the fucking training. God dang. I feel sorry for y'all in that region. I feel sorry for y'all in that region because your representation is shit, is what that is. I'd vote these son of a bitches out. If I could vote them out tomorrow, I'd do it. That right there is as irresponsible a decision as you will ever see. As irresponsible a decision. That one right there is, is trying to make a statement to somebody. We're not going to do what they say. We're not going to do what this... You got Corey out there saying shit like, we're not going to do that. Cease, put a cease and desist on that. We're not going to send that up to arbitration with that bullshit. $50 a day. Manager doesn't have any contentions. I don't care. Settle it. Fuck the carrier. That's what your business agent said to you. Y'all sent that up and your business agent said, fuck y'all. City carriers. Fuck y'all. I got some decisions I'm going to read to you because as an advocate... As an advocate, whenever I see management refused or failed to put in contentions or documentation in a case file, I want that to come to arbitration, okay? I have had that happen numerous times in arbitration. And here's one of them. It's, it's arbitrator Lawrence Roberts. And management came to the hearing, and they had no contentions, Okay. They, they offered no rebuttal to the remedy that we requested, which has happened here because management offered no contentions, right? And this is what the arbitrator said. I'm going to read all of it. And this is why I say to the B teams, if management comes in there with no contention and, your B, and, and the B teams are going to sit there and write 15 pages of contentions for management, I'm sending it to arbitration. Arbitrators aren't going to tolerate that. Here's what it says. Initially, I would like to point out the undersigned has already ruled in an almost identical matter, in this case dated 2014. The facts relative to the relevant portions of the respective arguments last June in this instant case are identical to the point the same language of the party's agreement is applicable in some fashion. There was a similar occurrence in each instance. The employer failed to offer any challenge to the union's requested remedy at the step A level. And regardless of facts or circumstance, this is always fatal to any employer challenge of remedy. The union's step A requested remedy stands. The employer failed to offer any challenges to the union's requested remedy at step A. And as again explained below, the language of the party's agreement is absolute. Any argument and facts must be developed and exchanged in writing by and between the parties at the step A level. 
If any fact or argument is not raised by the, the either party at the step A level, the respective position of either party then becomes fixed. Based on the evidence and arguments raised at step A, and that rationale is applied to this instant case. Contentions were made by the agency regarding the union's requested remedy at this hearing. The employer advocate argued aggressively and assertively that the remedy requested was punitive and not allowed by the wage agreement. The employer advocate asked to call the formal representative. That request was granted by the undersigned. However, the formal representative was unable to dispute the union's claim. The language of the party's agreement is absolute. Any employer contention not cited at step A cannot be considered. And it was obvious to the undersigned the employer did not oppose any remedy represented by the union at the step A level. Controlling in this instant case is the language found in Article 15.2, formal step A.D., wherein both parties are required to make a full and detailed exchange at the formal step A. Importantly, it all must be reduced to writing. As I'm sure the parties are aware, no new facts or arguments may be introduced beyond that formal step A point. The step B team may further argue the relevance of any step A contention. However, new argument, objections, or contentions beyond formal step A cannot be considered. The union introduced a requested remedy at a formal step A, and it became part of the record. There was no objection raised by the employer at the formal step A. In this case, management contentions only addressed the merits of the case. The officer in charge who authored management contentions failed to offer any challenge to the union's requested step A remedy. And on that basis, I'm of the considered opinion the employer is now barred from coming to arbitration and arguing that a requested formal step A remedy requested by the union had already been granted was unreasonable inappropriate or harsh. Instead, again, in my view, the employer should have made any such argument regarding any requested remedy at the formal step A level. Article 15 creates an even ground that allows both parties an equal opportunity to present their case, and any suggested or requested remedy becomes part of that record. However, once the dispute extends beyond that step A point, any new argument, including remedy, becomes moot. This is according to Article 15.2, Formal Step A.D., which states, At the meeting, the union representative shall make a full and detailed statement of facts relied upon, contractual provisions involved, and remedies sought. The union representative may also furnish written statements from the witnesses or other individuals, which is exactly what we did. The employer representative shall also make a full and detailed statement of facts and contractual provisions relied upon, which didn't happen. The party's representative shall cooperate fully in an effort to develop all necessary facts, including the exchange of copies of all relevant papers or documents in accordance with Article 17 and 31. That didn't happen. The party's representatives may mutually agree to jointly interview witnesses where desirable to assure full development of all facts and contentions. In addition, in cases involving discharge, either party shall have the right to represent no more than two witnesses. Both parties are unambiguously required to make a full and detailed statement of all facts. It is clear the employer did not oppose the union's requested remedy in any way at the formal step A. Either party cannot sandbag until step B and present their entire case. 
I use that language in 100% of the cases in arbitration where management doesn't provide a uh, contention. Either party cannot sandbag until step B and present their entire case, which is exactly what would have happened in this case here. Management offers no rebuttal, no contention. The union's requested remedy has to stand because you didn't say that it was inappropriate. You didn't rebut it. You didn't address it. You offered no contention against anything we said. Our contentions are now part of the record. You offered nothing at the formal A when you're obligated to do so under Article 15. What are you going to say at arbitration? Nothing. I'm not going to allow you to speak in arbitration. I'm not going to allow you to sit in a chair in arbitration. I will object the second this person's name is introduced. What are they going to do in arbitration? This is a business agent that's probably never done an arbitration. This is a business agent's office that has no idea how arbitration works. This is a B team member who has no idea how arbitration works. If you've got a case file this important, dealing with falsification of training records, and you say, do the training and it's a cease and assist, you have no idea how arbitration works. None. And they said that this wasn't an ongoing issue. That's the checkers and chess I was talking about. Remember that decision I was talking about? Uh, if there's a history of it, there's one way. And I said, that's checkers. Or intentional, that's chess. This was intentional. And what did we do? We played checkers with them at the B team. That's what we did. Remember that I talked about last week? Don't play checkers. Play chess. Here's a B team playing checkers with management. Management offered nothing. And what did we do? What did we do? We bent over and took it from him. He goes on, and with that in mind, I have no other choice than to grant the union's requested formal step A remedy request. It's simply a basic tenet of the party's agreement. There are certain principles that cannot simply be offset by argument. And that's exactly what I said in that case. They came in there, they offered no rebuttal to our remedy. And so in her opening, she starts talking about it, and I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I'm going to object to her opening statement which you don't do because it's just a statement. It's not evidence. I said, Mr. Arbitrator, I'm going to object to her opening statement where she talked about the remedy was this and that. And he gave me a bench decision right there on the spot. He asked her, he said, did you uh, offer any rebuttal to the remedy in the formal A? Well, no. He said, well, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to do that here. He says, you can't make an argument now that it's not appropriate. If you didn't say anything in the formal A, he said, if you can show me in the formal A, we did it. So they called him. I asked him, I said, did you offer any rebuttal to the union's requested remedy? No. I just shrugged at the arbitrator like, okay. He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to give a bench decision. He said, we're not going to do that here. That's the importance of knowing arbitration at these all these different steps. That's the importance of knowing arbitration of all these different steps. I will always play chess with these bitches. Always. Because I come with an advocate's mindset. What is it going to take in arbitration to win? You've got business agents railing on me, RAAs railing on me, because they don't know how arbitration works. They just don't. I'm an expert at arbitration. An expert at it. I know how to sell things. 
You got business agents that are too fucking scared to do anything. And this is the result of it. This is the result of it. You got a shitty-ass decision. Shitty-ass decision from the B team on that. I would be livid if I was a carrier in that station that got that bullshit right there. I would be, I would call my business agent and cuss that bitch out on that. It's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. That decision right there is inexcusable. Absolutely. You, if you have no more fight than that in you and your B team, you should step down out of your position. Completely. If you don't know how to sell that in arbitration, you should step down as a business agent. You are stealing our money. How you sleep at night, I do not know. It, you probably sleep well. You're probably a fat bastard that goes out drinking beer every night after you get off work at laughing at how you fucked over the letter carrier uh, with your RAAs. Uh, you probably got a call from the B team. Y'all probably laughed that up, didn't you? We got them. These motherfucking talking about fifty dollars a carry. This shit's crazy. What do union? What management say? They didn't say shit, man. They didn't offer no contention. <laughs> Did you get them? I got them. I said a cease and desist. Did you even say it's falsified anything? No, I just said he didn't complete it. <laughs> Piece of shit. Here's another one from arbitrator Allen Dash Jr. And it's on page six. He says, it's quite obvious that the grievance procedure provided for in Article 15, Section 2 for the settlement of discharge cases cannot operate effectively if local postal management fails to make full disclosure to the union representatives of the documentation upon which it has based its discharge action. It is not proper for management to wait until the arbitration hearing to provide the union with such material. For to do so will substitute the arbitration process for the prior steps of the grievance procedure and completely nullify their effectiveness. That's why you never resolve anything at the, at the B team if you have no contentions from management. I don't care if management's B team person writes 800 pages. I don't care. If you go into arbitration and the formal A has not put anything into contention in writing, no rebuttal, the advocate will shred that shit to pieces. They will shred that shit to pieces. This arbitrator said it is not proper for management to wait until the arbitration hearing to provide the union with such material. For to do so will substitute the arbitration process for the prior steps of the grievance procedure and completely nullify their effectiveness. And you let these motherfuckers get away with it. You should be ashamed of yourself. I know you're not. I know you don't give a fuck. You're probably laughing, like I said. You should be ashamed of yourself for that decision right there. You fucked over your members with that. Okay? That's what you did. You're a lump of shit. So, but to those business agents that are fighting, we got business agents that are fighting their asses off on this trying to bankroll their carriers, be like that. Be like that, okay? Talking about rallying behind somebody. Be like that one. This this one here, y'all are screwed with this business agent. He's, he's worthless. But to that one that did fight it and said you got $1,200 per carrier, good for you. A cease and desist and an apology, 
and this one here, this B team person here, didn't have any contentions and didn't even get them to say falsified. They just said cease and desist that you didn't fully complete the training. Hell, we said falsified in our contentions. Our B team person didn't even put up a fight to get that put in there. God bless America. You talking about worthless as shit. Oh. Here's another one, a B-team decision, about the wire cages being used to transport our mail, parcels and stuff, where they're making carriers use these big wire cages to push the mail out. Some people don't mind it, and that's fine. It's unsafe as hell. Ergonomically, that's not what they're designed for. We should win it on ergonomics alone. But here's a B-team decision that we lost. Somebody filed on these wire cages, okay? Now, remember, the orange hampers, the blue hampers that are designed for our mail to put the mail into the transport to our vehicles, remember, those things are only 72 pounds, okay? Those blue hampers, the wire hampers that we use, 72 pounds, okay? The wire cages, 392 pounds, that's what we're pushing. I don't care if it's on wheels or not. 392 pounds. That could get away from somebody and crush somebody. I don't care how many times you train us. They are unsafe. They are unsafe. Ergonomically, they're a disaster. Ergonomically. We lost a grievance where somebody filed a grievance on these wire cages. Now, look, that was a major win for management because why? They're wanting to do what? Make sure that we're out of the office in 22 minutes now. I mean, make sure that we're, we're loaded in 22 minutes, okay? Make sure that we're loaded in 22 minutes. Now, how are we going to make sure a carrier is loaded in 22 minutes? We're going to cut their trips. How are we going to do it? These big-ass 392-pound wire cages. We're going to cut their trips to the, the, the vehicle. Because with an orange hamper or a blue one, it'll take them three or four trips. All the parcels we have, the mail that we've got, Advos when we put those in there, Red Plums, we put those in there. It's going to take them three or four trips. I get this wire cage, one trip, two trips. So we're going to get them going to get these 22 minutes now. How's that? Start giving them wire cages. Start giving them wire cages. It's going to take less trips. We're going to get this time. So this is a major victory for management in this B-team decision. A major victory. Not as big as that dumb shit I just read about the hero training, but it's a major victory. And here's, here's what it is. The dispute resolution team mutually agrees to resolve this grievance. The DRT found no violation of Article 14 because the evidence in the file did not indicate that the use of wire cages was inherently unsafe, which is completely untrue. Completely untrue. Ergonomically, they're unsafe. So they are inherently unsafe. It's 392 pounds. And I've got a, a, a small female or a small male, an elderly male, elderly female, Pushing 392 pounds, that's not what they were designed for. These wire cages were designed to transport mail from a plant to a station on an 18-wheeler. That's what they were made for, to, to transport mail from the plant on an 18-wheeler to the station. That's the reason you see them pushing those things off of the 18-wheelers, pushing them off, unloading them, taking them back. They were not meant for the letter carrier to push down a ramp to the to the vehicle 
They're just not. It's unsafe. It is un- inherently unsafe. It goes on. Management will ensure employees are familiar with the job safety analysis, JSA, and training materials addressing potential hazards. For example, the wire cages are not to be loaded more than three-fourths high, and except when re- repositioning the cages, they're to be pushed rather than pulled from the end with the swivel wheels. See the DRT explanation below. Explanation. The Postal Service uses a wide variety of mail transport equipment. And that's what this is. It's to transport mail from the plant to the station. It is not meant for carriers to move the mail to the vehicle. That's what they got those orange hampers for. The blue hampers for. Ergonomically and safely. At this station... Post office, parcels for city delivery routes are sorted into large wire containers, cages, for carriers to take to their vehicles. In December, a letter carrier submitted a PS Form 1767 report of hazard unsafe condition or practice asserting the use of the wire cages was unsafe. Management responded to the PS Form 1767 by providing training and JSAs to carriers on the safe use of the wire cages. Dissatisfied with this response, the union filed this grievance to protest protest management's failure to discontinue using the wire cages. Unable to achieve a resolution through the informal informal or formal Step A levels of the grievance process, the union appealed the grievance to Step B. The union formal Step A contended the wire cages pose a safety hazard because they are too heavy to begin with and become even heavier when loaded with parcels. They also cause back strain. This is real blurry, so I'm having hard to... When unloading them, because the carrier must bend over the side to eat, to reach parcels. Moreover, the union asserts they're cumbersome when trying to take them to the vehicles and the limited space in the office. The union requests the management cease and desist from violating Article 14 and 19 and immediately replaced the wire cages with the orange hampers. The union further requested management pay each carrier, affected carrier lump sum of $20 per day, uh, and the hampers are provided due to management's blatant disregard for safety. Additionally, the union requested uh, each member of management be required to take a course on ergonomics and the effect on the human body. What a great remedy request. I want you to take one on ergonomics so you'll see why these wire cages are unsafe you can have a jsa on it management does the jsa (laughs) you know so they can provide a thousand jsa's ergonomically they're unsafe wire cages are are inherently unsafe it's 392 pounds empty and i've got individuals having to pull that or i've got individuals having to push that maybe down a ramp into a parking lot into a loading area it's it's a ticking time bomb. Management formal step A contended the practice was untimely or the grievance was untimely filed, as the wire containers have been used in the in this station since November 22. Management further contends they provided training on all the safety concerns the union raised, in addition to posting job safety analysis on bulletin boards. Management maintained the union provided no evidence that. Wire cages are not authorized. 
Management also asserted handbook uh, PO502 provides for the use of these hand- containers that are completely untrue. And so they just gave it, don't stack the mail higher than three-fourths high. Leather or canvas gloves may be worn to improve grip. I'd make management buy every single carrier. Now that we got shit on on the decision, I'd put in a request put, uh, that you're going to provide every carrier leather or canvas gloves to be worn to improve the grip. That's for truck drivers, not letter carriers. Um, move MTE that has swivel wheels from the end with the swivel wheels. Leather or fabric gloves may be worn for comfort. Make management buy those for since we got shit on on this decision. We've got to make safety paramount to our carriers. And both of these decisions failed to do so in a massive way. In a massive way. Both of these decisions failed to do that in a massive way. Uh, we've got one on the hero training where we just completely shit the bed in that one. And in this one here, I don't know what happened, but wire cages were not meant to to move mail inside the stations with letter carriers to their vehicles. Those are to transport high volumes of mail from the plant to the station. And ergonomically, it's a disaster. So make sure if you're doing, this person talked about ergonomics. Make sure if you're sending these cases up on these wire cages, Make sure that nine-tenths of your contentions are about ergonomics. It is ergonomically a disaster. They are unsafe as anything that we do pushing those wire cages anywhere is unsafe to the letter carrier. It causes long-term muscular skeletal disorders. It just does. We are not supposed to push 392-pound equipment across the floor. It doesn't even make sense that that would be something that would be considered okay. It makes no sense. For somebody to push 392 pounds empty down a ramp to a vehicle, it makes no sense. If that thing got away from somebody, it would crush somebody and kill them. It just would. I got one more thing and then I'm going to be done. And it's another decision that pissed me off. And these things, hindsight's always 2020, so it's really not fair for me to get decisions and, and blast people, but that's what I'm going to do um, because I don't like it. And here's one. It's a letter of warning uh, for an accident. And, and uh, the carrier was guilty. Uh, the police report said the carrier was guilty. And uh, management failed to provide some information that we requested, specifically the PS form 1769, the vehicle accident report. And we request that. Why? Because we want to mitigate. We want to mitigate an action with a PS form 1769. And how will we do that? Well, I had a removal on a rollaway where the carrier uh, had a rollaway peeled off the side of a vehicle like a tuna can. And didn't even report it. The sub came in. That was on a Saturday. The sub comes in on Monday and like, hey, where's the side of the vehicle at? It's gone. <laughs> and so they fire this carrier, talking about this rollaway runaway, and failed to report the accident. And I used the 1769 against management. They said that these kind of accidents will not be tolerated. There's nothing worse in the postal service than a rollaway runaway because a vehicle's going down the street with nobody in it. Nothing more dangerous, deadly than that. 
And on the 1769, everybody knows what I'm talking about, where it says serious accident, yes or no, management puts what? No. And under remarks, what they need to do, well, they say provide training. And so obviously in the hearing, I grilled them on that. I had them read the removal notice. Is that what you believe? Yes. Let's go to the 1769. Did you fill this out? Is that your name on 35 or 65 or whatever? Yes, it is. And so you went to the scene and saw the accident and uh, the accident site and all these things. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And it rolled down the hill. You saw where it rolled down the hill? Yes. You think the vehicle is running? The vehicle is definitely running. And there's nothing worse than that. Nothing worse than that. And you filled this out? Yeah, let's go to number 10. Serious accident, yes or no, what would you say? No. Then why are we here? You're the one that said it wasn't serious. Why would you fire the guy for something that wasn't even serious? And that's what the arbitrator said when he brought him back. The 1769 doesn't coincide, doesn't go with the discipline that was issued. The 1769 says it's a serious accident, no. And then we got removed a guy on something you said wasn't serious. That's the importance of the 1769. We can mitigate action with the 1769. Not only that, we requested it and were not provided, which is a killer on Article 17 and 31. It is a killer. I don't care if you're guilty or not, if you fail to provide information that will kill discipline. Why? I'm going to tell you in just a second. I'm going to get into some old school training here in just a second for you, okay? We're going to get back to some old school training here in just a second. I'm going to read this letter of warning to you. The DRT agrees the letter of warning dated February 15th of 2023 for unsatisfactory performance shall remain in the grievance official personnel file until February 18th, 2024. So they're leaving this letter of warning in there for a year. Based off of per an offer made by local management at the formal step A. So management said, we'll keep it in there for a year. And they bought that. They said, okay, we'll leave this letter of warning in there for a year. I'm going to read this to you. And y'all tell me what you think. At the formal step A of the grievance procedure, local management contends the following. The police report clearly shows the grievance was at fault. It is the grievance that turned in front of the car behind him, causing damage to both the customer's car and the postal vehicle. Management offered to reduce the time for the letter of warning, which the union refused. The union claims that since there was no 1769 in the file, nor did management supply one when requested. Y'all hear me? Management offered to reduce the letter of warning, which the union refused. The union claims that since there was no 1769 in the file, nor did management supply one when requested, this agreement should be dismissed. Now listen to management's response here. Management contends this argument is moot. Okay? Now remember, if this goes to arbitration, management will have to tell an arbitrator why. Something that the union requested to represent their carrier is a moot point because you didn't give it to me. They're going to have to testify to that in arbitration. That's the reason these B-team people need to understand arbitration. You've got to understand arbitration. If I see that in a contention and it says the union's position is moot because he's guilty, 
The union, we didn't provide this information, but that's a moot point because he's guilty. You've got to send that to arbitration because that same individual for management will have to sit in front of an arbitrator and say, no, I did not provide the information. Well, what did you say about it right here? It's a moot point. So you're saying that it's a moot point that you didn't provide the union. It's requested information. Yes. Why? Because he's guilty. That will, that will smash that discipline. An arbitrator will not tolerate that. I'm going to read that again. Management contends this argument is moot. The Postal Service rolled out the safety and health management tool on October 1, 2021. This post office has been using this tool since it was available. Management can produce several other pieces of discipline, including a grievance for a letter of warning for this carrier for October, which the union grieved. In the union's contentions for the grievance, there is no mention of an accident report printed out from the SHMT. In fact, the 1769 was not mentioned in their contentions. Management contends that this argument is not only untimely, but also that the union at the local level has no authority to alter a national USPS system or file a representative grievance, which has been has to be done at the headquarters level. The request for information is provided into showing that basically the same information is provided for the grievance as has been used and provided for any accident request for information since October 2021. The Postal Service had just calls to issue the discipline. At the formal step A of the grievance procedure, the union contends the following. The grievance due process rights in accordance with Article 16 of the National Agreement, PS Form 1769 Accident Report, is the official Postal Service form that provides a detailed account of the accident and narrative and coded formats. PS Form 1769 is required for all accidents and injuries regardless of the severity of the injury or the amount of property damage. Due to this egregious violation of the ELM Section 820, violating the grievance due process rights, while the union doesn't contend that the grievance wasn't at fault in the accident on January 27, 2023, the union does contend that management acted improperly by not conducting the required investigation under Section 820 of the ELM. His position of the union, the letter of warning should be expunged from the grievance file and reduced to an official job discussion. So we have uh, the union requesting at the formal A, the 1769, which is not untimely. Uh, we can request that at any time. But management fails to provide us that 1769, which would give us a mitigation, a potential mitigation of discipline. Uh, you'll say, well, they, they reduced it to a year. Well, that was because management said they would reduce it to a year. We still have the issue of not providing us information, right? Uh, you can say that we reduced it to, to a year, but you did that because management formal step A said reduce it to a year. So now what do we do with the, the failure to provide the union with its requested information? What do we do with that? Is it a moot point that you didn't provide the union with requested information because the grievance is guilty? Is, does that make it a moot point? The police report shows he's guilty. So are you no longer required to provide documentation to the union because a police report says we're guilty? Does, does 17 sink below 16? Are 16 and 17 and 31 on equal levels? 
Let's see what arbitrator Renfro had to say. And this goes in every case of mine. Every contention I have dealing with due process, this, this is the gold standard. And arbitrators will, will consider this the gold standard. It's by arbitrator William Renfro. And it's C01030. C01030. And I'll put those others up for you too about uh, Roberts and uh, the other one I read from. In case you want to get those out, okay? C01030, uh, arbitrator Renfro. And this is the gold standard on due process. Like I said, uh, I use this in every arbitration. JB has it in every one of his contentions. Uh, it's the gold standard. This is what he says on page 8. It has been said that the real heart of procedural due process is not even a question of the employee's guilt or innocence. Let me read that again. It's the most powerful language you'll ever use in due process grievances. It has been said that the real heart of procedural due process is not even a question of the employee's guilt or innocence. It is how the company goes about arriving at its decision. When the decision is to impose a penalty as severe as discharge, care must be taken that all the relevant facts and evidence are considered. Discharge without a complete investigation or without affording the employee an opportunity to be heard falls short of minimum standards. Uh, and there's a bunch, if you read the whole thing, it's fantastic. That's all I'm going to read to you on that. But it's the gold standard. And you have them telling you, it has been said that the real heart of procedural due process is not even a question of the employee's guilt or innocence. It is how the company goes about arriving at its decision. When the discharge imposes a penalty as severe as discharge, care must be taken that all the relevant facts and evidence are considered. How can you say that? When the union requested the most important form, the controlling document in an accident is the PS form 1769. We requested that. You acknowledged that we requested it. You failed to provide it to us, and you said that it was a moot point because we're guilty. How do you think that would ring true in front? How do you think that that would look with arbitrator Renfro's decision being put in on top of that. It would crush management's contention. Let's get to some old school training. Okay? Some old school training. And this is for the B teams. Because we have some out there that are failing us on these decisions. Article 17. Now, this is going back to this decision where we, we allowed management to say that failing to provide us information was a moot point. Article 17. What is Article 17 titled? Representation. That's what it's titled. It doesn't say information. It doesn't say union's rights. Article 17 is titled Representation. Why is that critical? Because the carrier has the right to representation. The care has the right to representation, and the union has a right to represent. That's the reason Article 17 is titled Representation. The care has the right to representation, and the union has the right to represent. It goes on, and I read this not too long ago. Contractual authorization for stewards. All the shop stewards are union representatives, and NALC officials chosen according to NALC rules, stewards are also given important rights. You hear that word? 
We're going to say that word a lot. Okay? The stewards are also given important rights. And that's under what? Representation. And responsibilities by the National Labor Relations Act and by the National Agreement. The contract authorized stewards to represent carriers in the investigation, presentation, and adjustment of grievances and require the employer to cooperate with stewards in various ways as they accomplish their grievance handling jobs. The specific steward rights and responsibilities set forth in Article 17.3 and 17.4 are supplemented in other parts of the National Agreement, including, and it gives you a list there. So we have two things here that we want to touch on. Uh, the contract authorizes stewards to represent carriers. I told you before that that means that they're not one and the same. They're different because as a shop steward, and I screwed this up last time, I said 513 at 6.13 time. When a, when a carrier goes over to 6.13 time in a shop steward capacity, they are no longer a carrier. They are a representative. A representative of the NELC, and they are representing city letter carriers. Okay. So that is their job, right? Didn't it say that? In various ways they accomplish their grievance handling jobs. So that is now our job is working for the NELC on 613 time. And that specific steward has rights. Why is that important? Let's keep on. Let's see why. Let's see why. Article 17.3. Rights of stewards. There's that word again, rights of steward. Why is that important? Rights. How about civil rights? Is that important? Civil rights? What about we have a bill of rights? We have the right to, to religious freedom. We have the right to vote. We have women's rights. That's how important rights are. Okay, so when it says rights of stewards, that means we have a right. Okay, when it is necessary for a steward to leave his or her work area to investigate and adjust grievances or to investigate a specific problem to determine whether to file a grievance, the steward shall request permission from the immediate supervisor and such request shall not be unreasonably denied. And that falls under the steward's rights. Okay, let's go to 17.4. Why does it stay? Steward rights. There's that word again. That means we have the right to these things. Article 17, sections 3 and 4 establish several steward rights. There's that word again. The right to investigate and adjust grievances and problems that may become grievances. The right to pay time to conduct those activities. The right to obtain management information. Super seniority concerning being involuntary, involuntarily transferred. An employee's right to steward representation during inspection service interrogation. It goes on. Steward rights. Y'all see a common theme here? Under 17, steward rights. Activities included. A steward may conduct a broad range of activities related to the investigation and adjustment of grievances and of problems that may become grievances. These activities include the right to review relevant documents, files and records, as well as interviewing a potential grievance supervisors and witnesses. 
specific settlements and arbitration decisions have established that a steward has the right to do, among other things, the following. Complete grievance forms and write appeals on the clock. Interview witnesses, including postal patrons who are off postal premises. Interview supervisors. Interview postal inspectors. Review relevant documents. Review an employee's official personnel folder. Write the union statement of corrections and additions to the formal step A decision. Interview office of inspector general. A steward has the right to conduct all such activities on the clock. Goes on. Right to steward time on the clock. There's another right. On page 17.6, right to information. So it's my right to have that information. I don't care if there's a 17 and 31 in the issue statement. I don't care about that. We raised an issue in the contentions that management failed to provide us requested information. Therefore, it is a violation of 17. I don't have to have that in issue statement. I have dealt with arbitrations before on past practice where they didn't put Article 5 in the issue statement. And the arbitrator says, did you argue Article 5 in the contentions? Yes, ma'am, we did. So that is not a new argument. It is not a new argument. Then I will let that argument stand. Do y'all hear me? If you're going to say, well, they didn't raise a 1731 issue, I don't give a shit. If I raise the contention that I requested information and management failed to provide that to me, they have violated the grievance due process rights. Why? Because I'm telling you all the rights I have. Under what? Representation. These are the rights I have under representation. Okay? So if you say... Well, they didn't have a 1731 issue. I don't give a shit. You said it in the B-team decision that the union requested the information that wasn't provided and management said what? Doesn't matter. It's a moot point. I'm telling you we have a right to that information. So if you got management saying it's a moot point that you violated my right to information, that is a procedural due process violation that cannot be overlooked. That is fatal to management's position. It should be, unless you're this B-team person here, that completely overlooked that, that argument. You don't understand the contract like you should. I'm telling you all the rights that we have under Article 17, representation. How many times have I said the right so far? It is my right to these things. It is my right as a grievant to be represented, to have representation. That's my right as a dues-paying member. It is the shop steward's right to represent. And how does he do that? Through these things I'm telling you here. So when you don't do these things as management, when you don't provide information that I have a right to, you have violated my due process rights. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? When management says it's a moot point that they didn't give me information that I requested because I'm guilty. They have violated my right to due process. They have violated my due process rights. Why? Because I'm telling you right here that I have a right to information. I have a right to that information. I don't need to invoke that right. It's already given to me. I don't need to invoke that right in an issue statement. It's already given to me the right to information under Article 17. If I made that contention, you have violated my rights. I'll go on. 
right to information on page 17.6. The NELC's rights to information relevant to collective bargaining and contract administration are set forth in Article 31. This section states steward-specific rights to review and obtain documents, files, and other records in addition to the right to interview agreement supervisors and witnesses. It goes on, the steward has a right to obtain supervisor personnel notes of discussions held with individual employees in accordance with Article 16.2. So it tells you all the way through 17, my rights, okay? Don't drop the ball on that on discipline cases, B-team. You've got a management official saying that it's a moot point that you failed to provide me documentation because I'm guilty. So they're saying that it's a moot point that they violated my rights, not only as a shop steward, but as a grievant. Okay? You violated my rights as a shop steward because I have the right to that information. You violated my rights as a grievant because I have the right to that representation under Article 17. So you violated two people's rights here, the steward and the grievant. And we let them slide on that. Okay? Let's go to Article 31. Article 31.3, information. And, and this Article 31 is titled what? Union Management Cooperation. So did we get cooperation in that decision there where management said it's a moot point that you failed to provide me documentation? Did we get cooperation from management there where they said, hey, we didn't provide you the 1769, but hey, it's a moot point. He's guilty. It's a moot point. Remember Renfro's decision? It's not a question of employees' guilt or innocence. It's how the company goes about arriving at its decision. Remember that? Okay. Section three, information. The employer will make available for inspection by the union all relevant information necessary for collective bargaining or the enforcement, administration, or interpretation of this agreement, including information necessary to determine whether to file or continue to file the processing agreements under this agreement. So it says the employer will make available. That word will is critical here. It doesn't say the employer may or should. It says the employer will make available for inspection by the union all relevant information. Okay, so now management is saying that there should be a caveat in there. They're saying the employer will make available unless it's a moot point. That's what management is saying here. And in arbitration, in my closing, that's exactly what I would say. I'd hold that up to the arbitrator. And I said, Mr. Arbitrator, do you see this here? I've highlighted it for you. That one word right there, it says the employer will make available. But here in this installation, Mr. Arbitrator, they've chose to go and they put a caveat at the end of that here. In this installation, they say that the employer will make available for inspection by the union all relevant information unless that information is a moot point or unless the grievance is a moot point because they said what? They didn't provide us the information, but it's a moot point because I'm guilty. So you got to understand your language. You've got to understand your contract, B-team. When you see that we've requested information and they didn't provide it, You've got to know 17 and 31. You've got to know it. I don't need to raise the issue of 17 and 31. I raised the contention that they failed to provide me relevant documentation. And management said it's a moot point because I'm guilty. 
You have got to hammer that in your impasse. Don't settle that unless they give it a, a reduce it all the way to an official discussion. It goes on. Upon request of the union, the employer will furnish such information, provided, however, that the employer may, be, may require the union to reimburse the U.S. for any cost reasonably incurred in obtaining the information. Okay? Upon the request of the union, the employer will furnish such information. It doesn't say provided the employer will furnish such information, provided it's not a moot point. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say upon the request of the union, the employer will furnish such information, provided it's not a moot point. It doesn't say that. It goes on, nothing herein shall waive the, any rights the union may have to obtain information under the National Labor Relations Act as amended. You hear me? Nothing herein shall waive any rights the union may have to obtain information under the National Labor Relations Act as amended. Goes on, page 31.2, information. Article 31.3 provides that the Postal Service will make available to the union all relevant information necessary for collective bargaining or the enforcement, administration, or interpretation of the agreement, including information necessary to determine whether to file or continue the process of agreements. It also recognizes the union's legal right to employer information under the National Labor Relations Act. Examples of the type of information covered by this provision include, and it's got all the bullet points. It goes on, to, to obtain employer information, the union need only give a reasonable description of what it needs and make a reasonable claim that the information is needed to enforce or administer the contract. And in this case, we said what? It's the controlling document. We need the 1769. It's the controlling document in accidents. That's a reasonable request. It should have been granted. But management said, hey, it's a moot point because you're guilty. I don't see how this is was even settled for a letter of warning. I mean, for a year. I, I don't get that. I don't, I don't get how it even made it to a year. And that was a management's request. You're going to tell me that it's a moot point that you didn't give me information, but we'll give you a year on it. I'd have told you to, to stick that up your ass. I'd have told you to stick that up your ass. If I'm B team, well, we asked you to, we said we'd reduce it to a year. Yeah, but you didn't give me information on our request. You said it's a moot point. What well, is a moot point? You're guilty. Well, here, take this you wrote up right there and take what I wrote up and crease that up and fold it up. Roll it up as tight as you can. You know how they used to roll up those cigarettes on that thing? Roll it up like that and shove that up your fucking ass. You're not going to sit there and tell me you're not going to give me information that I requested. I've got all these rights to information. I sat here and read you 17 and 31, all the rights I have. And you're going to tell me that my rights are moot point that you violated them. Fuck you, man. Shove that up your ass. Get your impasse ready. Tell your formal step A to get his ass ready to sit in that chair and talk about how my violating my rights is a moot point. Settlements and arbitration awards have addressed the union's entitlement to information in certain specific areas. Now, what does entitlement mean? Entitlement means having a right to something. <laughs> so even the word entitlement means I have a right. Settlements and arbitration awards have addressed the union's entitlement, having a right to something, to information in certain specific areas. For example, the union has a right to any and all information which the employer has relied upon to support its position in a grievance. 
That is a right that I have. Okay? So there's your a little quick uh, lesson on 17 and 31. Breaking it down for you real good. That's old school training. And that's for the B teams. Okay? Uh, I got on my B teams a little bit today. I'm not sorry about that because, first off, you've got to put the letter carrier safety in the forefront. That, that's got to be priority one. I would rather lose it in arbitration, seriously, than, than one of my own people doing it to me down at the lower levels. I'd rather an arbitrator said that that's not a safety violation than one of my own people doing that to me. That's just how I am. That's just how I am. Um, I can sell anything in arbitration. I can. I can sell anything in arbitration. Give me a shot. Give me a shot to do it, man. This hero training, jobs should be lost because of that. Jobs should be lost because of that decision. The wire cages, we got to do better. It makes no sense that you agreed that we should be pushing 392 pounds across the working floor, down a ramp, up a ramp. It makes no sense. No sense that we should be doing that. And management is rejoicing because of these two decisions right here. They are rejoicing at those decisions. This letter of warning where management said some moot point that they didn't give me information, they're rejoicing at that. Guys, we have got to be better. We have got to be better. Okay? That's all I've got. I wasn't going to do a very long one today. I wasn't going to do one at all um, because it's a holiday weekend. But I had those decisions sent to me, and I've been on fucking fire <laughs> for the last, last four or five days because of that shit, man. Um, we got to be better. We got to. Make sure your carrier's at the forefront, okay? Make sure your carrier's safety is priority one. Anything management does that's contrary to that, bust them in the ass, make them sit in front of an arbitrator. It's very difficult to sit in that chair and uh, explain yourself in these cases here. They wouldn't even be able to in the one with hero training. I wouldn't even let them come in. I would lock the door on them. <laughs> I would object so much. They don't even have a contention in there. What are they going to come in arbitration and say? They have no contentions in the file. All you're going to do is listen to my position, Mr. Arbitrator, and listen to my remedy. I'm going to hand you Arbitrator Roberts' decision as persuasive value and say we have raised some incredible contentions against management about safety, about health, about falsifying training, and they didn't even have the gumption to say a word about it. They didn't even rebut the first sentence. we got to do better. We got to do better. Hey, to that individual, the one, the $1,200 per carrier, you need to be at the B team. <laughs> you need to be at the B team. You need to be business agent. That's what you need to be. They need a fighter like you because that region doesn't have one. Doesn't have one. I'm going to have to do business agent training, aren't I? Am I going to have to sit down with about four or five business agents and say, look here, now you're failures and this is why. Should I do that? Y'all think I should do that? <laughs> I know the business agents don't like me, man. I don't give two shits about that, really. <laughs> I don't care. I'm a city letter carrier, right? I'm not with the NLC. I'm a city letter carrier, so I'll say whatever I damn well want to. 
you're not representing my people. I know that. You're not representing my people, and you'll get my full force every week until you do. But I don't call names and I don't call regions because it's not fair because y'all can't get on here and defend yourself. Even though I did ask that one if he wanted to come on here and defend himself, and he said no. And that's probably wise. Y'all have a great week. Have a fantastic holiday tomorrow. Y'all y'all rest and uh, and get your minds right. Um, we're, we're fixing to have some battles ahead of us, man. And we need every level working for us, informal, formal, B team, and, and arbitration. We need every level working at high capacity, man. Okay, high level. All right, y'all have a fantastic rest of the week, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, all right?